Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a unbelievably busy Thursday afternoon in the sports world. We'll get into all that in just a sec. But, of course, Steve will be stepping up soon to the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. And we all know... SMC stands for Sunbury Motor Company, selling more cars and satisfying more customers. With that comes the need for many great behind-the-scenes employees. While they have many awesome technicians ready to serve you, they need more due to the busy business that a 107-year-old dealership has earned. They are looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, card light truck service, heavy truck service, body frame and alignment, and towing departments. Whether you are an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for your first job, or someone looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or you can call Todd at 286-7746. And... Loaded show today with the topics at hand. We've got Center Daily Times' John Sauber at 3.35. CBS Sports College Football Insider Dennis Dodd rejoining us today at 4.06. Very much looking forward to hearing his perspective on the finalized and now announced Big Ten TV deal. And then the BTN's Dave Rebson will join us at 4.35. And this worked out perfectly to have Dave on today because we were originally going to just celebrate a BTN 15 years and, of course, talk about what was likely going to be the deal based on the reports we heard last week. But today it is now official. We'll get into that. Plus you have the major college football programs thinking about maybe pulling away from the NCAA and the college football playoff forming its own entity, governing entity. That came out from ESPN's Pete Thamel last night. And then Deshaun Watson suspension is handed down with the settlement. So we got all that to get into today. But let's start with the historic Big Ten TV deal. And you just hear ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching all over the place. It is a deal worth 7 to $8 billion with Fox, CBS, NBC, Peacock, and FS1. It's for seven years, from July 1st, 2023, to June 30th, 2030. The contract includes an escalator cost, meaning the deal could approach nearly $10 billion if the Big Ten's membership increases. 
And the Big Ten apparently still not done, although that's been kind of back and forth as to who they might be going after, obviously besides Notre Dame. We went for back and forth about that uh, a couple weeks ago when all that first came out. We might be talking about, you know, adding Oregon, Washington, Cal. There's been a lot of conflicting reports about that. And the deal also includes splitting the football conference championship games in the Big Ten. Fox will have it next year, 2025, 2027, 2029. CBS has it 2024 and 2028. NBC has it 2026. And as Steve talked about a couple weeks ago, the media rights agreements backloaded in part because CBS still has its SEC contract to fulfill through next season. League schools will receive the same conference distribution as they did, as they will this year, nearly $60 million. And then the payouts will be about $100 million per school, as we kind of alluded to when we talked about this in the last few weeks. And then, of course, as we also talked about, Big Ten contests will be televised at noon on Fox, 3.30 on CBS, primetime on NBC. So there you go. That's the whole lowdown of it. So the total deal, seven to eight billion, is definitely more than we thought. But still, and we knew it was we were talking billions of dollars to go into it anyway when it comes to this contract for the Big Ten. And so there you have it. I'll also be curious, as I'm sure many of you will be too, about how the Peacock end is going to work. What kind of matchups are they going to use for that? How will fans respond to that? Because I know there's been a lot of backlash with Notre Dame fans, including myself, that have lost, have been able to watch one ND game per year because of Peacock. Last year it was the Toledo game. And as Steve and I have talked about before, it's wouldn't be surprising if it's something like the Marshall game this year for Notre Dame. So there's that side of it. We'll hear from Steve on that to get his official wording. But again, most of this that we've talked that has been announced today is what we've talked about so far. So there's that. And then last night it was reported by ESPN's Pete Thamel that there is talk now amongst some of the athletic directors and presidents of the major college football schools and programs to break away from the NCAA and the CFP would be the new governing body. Now, take it for what it's worth, it was literally like a five-minute conversation. I'm just curious to see how where that goes, Steve, going forward. But, of course... Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching for the Big Ten. Yeah, the, the, the other thing's just the other thing's just a starter, you know. And no decisions are being made there. No, but so it's 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 the start of something to keep an eye on, though, because it's been talked about. Yeah, you just watch it and see what happens. But it, there's no news there yet. Just that they have started to talk. Um, and then oh yeah, there's Deshaun Watson and the embarrassing press conferences that were today from the Cleveland Browns organization. But we'll get to that later. 
Yeah, I mean, look. Um, yeah, we'll get to that later. I'm not going to get into that yet. The TV deal, which we follow closely, very closely, um, has come to fruition. And what is interesting, there aren't many surprises in here. I mean, if you listen to the show, you're saying like, oh, yeah, it's what they've been, what they've been talking about. But the um, there are only two minor surprises in there. One, that the Big Ten championship game over seven years is going to go to Fox four times, CBS twice, and NBC once. So they're not all seven are going to be on Fox. So that part was interesting. And the fact that they're, you know, that the streaming, or to go, I mean, we might as well like include the suit on this, the streaming, <laughs> um, is Peacock. Now, I had mentioned that maybe, remember I had mentioned about, I don't know, two weeks ago before you left, that maybe the streaming could be Peacock. Yes. Right. And that's what it ended up being. And it's eight games a year. I can guarantee you, Ohio State, Michigan, that game's not ending up on Peacock. (laughs) I can assure you. Um, But the... Um, but I think at some point, the big players, Penn State, Ohio State, USC, you know, Michigan, each one of them may have to have a game somewhere on Peacock. Not against each other. <laughs> They'll probably be the cupcake games. Well, in other words, to get people to subscribe. They're trying to get subscribers. Peacock lost $480 million the first half of the year. So, you know, they need you know, they need a Notre Dame game on Peacock. They need a Big Ten game on Peacock, and it can't be. Hey, great news! It's Rutgers against Minnesota. Well, that's not going to change the deficit. <laughs> okay, that's not going to change it. So, no, it's not going to be a marquee game. There'll be a Labor Day game on NBC. There will be a there might be a primetime game on Black Friday. Basketball will be this. Fox, Fox Sports One, CBS is gonna double to fifteen games. Almost double, obviously, from eight to fifteen games. Plus, they'll still still do the semifinals and the championship game of the Big Ten, and they will add in for the first time ever the Big Ten women's basketball championship game. Peacock will actually carry some Big Ten basketball games, not NBC, but Peacock, and of course Fox, Fox Sports One, BTN. BTN is all over this thing too. We're going to talk Dave Revson today. Um, in fact, BTN's going to get as many as 50 
Big Ten football games out of this. Uh, let's see. Anything else out of it? There's no real surprises. I mean, just because Fox has big noon kickoff, don't assume that every Big Ten, every big game that Penn State plays is on at noon. Okay? No. They're going to do a draft. And there will be times where CBS rotates and they get the first pick. Sometimes NBC rotates and they get the first pick. Now, the first overall pick is always going to be Fox, and you know they're going to pick Michigan Ohio State. But the other stuff, we'll see how it plays out. And Dennis Dodd and I are going to go through all this at 4.06 today. There's a lot to go. There's a lot to go through. All right, and then there's the story that is now being floated, which Dennis, Dennis and I will get into a little bit as well, about the Big Ten not being done. Okay. Now, Notre Dame is probably going to stay independent. As long as they get a seat at the table for the college football playoff, they can negotiate around that. Okay. If the Big Ten were to expand again, they would need a rights holder or rights holders to pay for its extra inventory. CBS, Fox, and NBC have already set their schedules. They've set what their costs are, their number of games, windows to televise, and a selection draft for the most desirable games. A high-profile source with extensive knowledge of media rights told CBS Sports, I would keep that window open for ESPN. Until all of this is done, there's lots of moving parts. Never say never. Now remember, the Big Ten will still appear on ESPN, but only when they're on the road or in a bowl game. So if Penn, when Penn State plays at West Virginia, the Big 12 rights most likely, in fact, the Big 12 rights will still be with ESPN at that point. That game probably is on ESPN. When Penn State plays at Temple, the American Conference rights are, are with ESPN. You can expect that game to be on ESPN. And for a lot of the bowl games Penn State would play in, the game would be on ESPN. So it's not as if Penn State's never going to be on ESPN the next seven years. They'll occasionally get there, but only when they're on the road in a non-conference game. And again, don't sit there and say, well, this part, move, 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 ACC... No, the grant of rights is real. Okay? And the grant of rights is expensive. Okay? How about right now for the ACC on this particular day? It's nine figures. Oh. So I just love everybody. Oh, you can get out of that. Uh, No, you're wrong. You can't. Okay. 
if the grant of rights were so easy, why are Texas and Oklahoma not in the SEC today? And because of the length of the contract, the further back you are, the more money you have to pay to get out. The ACC teams, they're nine figures to get out of it. Well, nobody in their right mind's paying nine figures. And by the way, the if Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Washington say they, they move to the Big Ten, there's an escalator in there. And in all likelihood, they would get less money compared to the other Big Ten schools, but would get more money than their current contract. Already, they have estimated that USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-10, I'm referring to the Pac-10 these days, but they had to, UCLA had to deliver their report yesterday to the Board of Regents. And let's be honest, just so everybody knows, the Board of Regents can't do anything about it. Zero. That adorable speech that Governor Gavin Newsom made is bluster. He's not my governor, so I can say whatever I want about him. It's bluster. I talked. Good for you. That's nice. You talked. Okay? You can't do anything about it. And neither can the Board of Regents. The departures of USC and UCLA from the Pac-12 could mean an estimated loss of $13 million per year per school in media rights. Remember, you've got to have Stanford, Cal, Washington, Oregon. Uh, okay, well, those are all four in there, and they're not enough to overcome USC and UCLA leaving. But if they were to go to the Big Ten, they could get more money. They just wouldn't get as much as the other Big Ten schools. And it would come from a sec separate escalator area where the Big Ten could potentially get to $9.5 to $10 billion total when it's all said and done. This deal is seven years, about $7.7 billion. Okay, When you see the first year of the contract, you're going to go, well, it's an average of all... No, 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 no. Okay, This contract is backloaded. The first season, there's no USC and UCLA. And because of the SEC on CBS, CBS is only carrying seven Big Ten games. Once you get to 26 to 29, now you're talking upwards of over $90 million per. Again, the average will come out to about 75, and it does not include college football playoff money. It does not include bowl money. It does not include NCAA tournament distribution money. That kicks the numbers way up. This is just the media rights deal. And by the way, the Big Big Ten Network deal, it's not a part of this. Runs through 2032 as a 25-year deal. All right, and I don't think the money from that's included in here. We'll come back with more in a moment. John Sauber, Senator Daily Times, next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Care, Routes 11 and 15, Elmsworth. Online at sunburymotors.com. 
com. By the way, I was talking about UCLA and they had to give their report yesterday. I'll give you one guess who decided not to be at the meeting yesterday. Mark Emmert. No, Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, it's, it's, you know, he wasn't at the meeting. He demanded an explanation. Then it was a no-show. Okay. It's just another you know, reason why politics and sports should not mix. Really? It's like, Stay in your lane, why, people. That's why I refer to it as bluster. Okay, great, nice bluster. But you know, I'm you know, sorry, but <laughs> all right. Go ahead. Get the Deshaun Watson thing off your chest. Oh, the NFL completely dropped the ball yet again. That's all. I, I think a lot of this is fishy because I'm sure you saw this, Steve. Guess when he's eligible to return? Oh, I know, but what what he what they got was this. They they had to negotiate this with the with the um, NFLPA. So they got really double the suspension as before, and they got the five million dollar fine. But even so, that, I mean, he's not really losing that much money. If you look, if you look into this we, more with the we contract, already, we already knew that. I know when he signed his contract, we said that. So it's like that's not new news, okay? The new news is it's a five million dollar fine for him, and that's a drop in a bucket to the average guy. He's looking like, hey, five million is a pretty big number because it's not a fifty thousand dollar fine. It's five million, okay? So that looks big. And essentially, they're doubling, and he's losing two-thirds of the season. The NFL wanted the full season. The NFLPA did not. You end up with a compromise. You got a compromise. You got 11 games. I mean, in the end, that's what it is. And it also does significant damage to the Browns' season because for two-thirds of the season, they won't have their starting quarterback. Right? No, you're right. I just think they could have gone after him a little bit more financially with the way the contract's structured. But yeah, but I don't know what the max fine is for a player. I mean, it, you, we've, you've got to know what the what the collective bargaining agreement says. Maybe five million is the max. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But it just goes. It just circles more. back to before that the NFL has to fix its, its precedent, its punishment on these types of issues. Because it goes back to the whole thing with Sue L. Robinson before. There, there's so many well, they things tried, they have to fix. They tried to get it to somebody they that was independent, that you know, that would take care of it. Right, but I'm saying that she ruled based on the precedent before Zeke Elliott six games, etc. That's why she went with the six games. That's what that's part of the reason what the NFL needs to fix. Well, again, pro sports leagues are not good at this when no, it comes to clearly. what Stephen, you know, because they're not in their lane. Okay, you're not new. And who is? Okay, how would Sunbury Broadcasting investigate this? Nobody there is qualified to investigate this. Okay? That's what people have to realize. Right? There's a reason why law enforcement investigates things. It's what they do. It's not what leagues do. Hey, they can go after Ross and the Dolphins for, you know, for tampering and the other things that they, you know, and so forth. That's with now. Now the league's in its lane. Okay, not this. I'm not qualified to investigate this. Are you? No. Right. That's why you got to let. 
That's why these leagues are like, well, the league should do this. Look, this isn't what they do. <laughs> it's not what they do. It's not what anybody does. You think Geisinger's is, is a huge hospital, right? Nationally, no. Do you think they're they're equipped to do an investigation like this? No. <laughs> Nobody is. That's why you have law enforcement. That's their job. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, the league wanted a year. Okay, they wanted a year. They had to negotiate it. So when they negotiated, they got it from six to eleven. So at least they got more out of it because it's a negotiated settlement. Okay? You don't have absolute power here. Starring Clint Eastwood, by the way. Great movie. All right. Uh, it's like, I mean, this is what people do. I mean, everybody thinks you're like, Oh, I know. No, you don't know because you're not an expert on how to investigate these things. So that's why they brought in a judge that's looked at stuff like this before, and then she gave a ruling based on past rulings, but the NFL's the one that made the ruling. It's like, uh, you know, because it's not their lane. It's like the Major League Baseball. It's not their lane. NHL, not their land. NBA, it's it's not, you know. If we we're all good at it, we wouldn't need investigators. <laughs> we're not good at it. All right. You what in what, 10 years? I wanted at least, I wanted the whole season. Well, that's what the NFL wanted. And okay, I wanted to see a bigger bigger find than what he got. I wanted to see him more out financially again, than what he got. But that might be the max they're allowed to under the right, I get under the basic agreement. You don't know you don't know that. If that's the max, that's the max. As for the games, they negotiated it. Okay? They wanted a year. The players essentially wanted none originally, but we're going to accept six. And they quietly had said six to eight, so they didn't get what they wanted. It got to 11. All right? Whenever you have something that's a negotiated settlement, it's not going to be perfect. Watson still gets to play the final third of the season. The NFL can say they knocked him out for two-thirds. So that's where both sides look around and say, okay, we each got something out of it. That's a negotiated settlement. Under Matt's way, this drags into infinity, and uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like watching a Yankee season tumble out of control. All right, let's bring in John Sauber, Center Daily Times. John, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Good, Steve. How are you? Doing great, thanks. We've been expecting this, and there were only a couple of minor surprises in it. But what did you think of the uh, media rights deal? Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't overly surprising, right, because we'd seen the reporting uh, that, that ESPN and ABC were out of it. I think it's just, you know, it's funny. I, I don't watch games on TV anymore other than, the, like, rewatching them later, and I usually have it muted for that. So it, it won't really impact me all that much. Uh, 
but from a, a, a fan's perspective, I would say, like, I think it'll be cool for fans to see these other broadcast teams, you know, and, and get the CBS broadcast. I love the CBS intro song, for one. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, having those potential whiteouts, uh, you know, on, on NBC on Sunday or on Saturday nights will be pretty cool to see. So I think it's just kind of different, right? Like, I don't think it's necessarily better or worse. Obviously, the influx of cash will help every big 10 program uh but i, I think it's just kind of different right and i don't know that, that the positives or negatives in either direction are, are that heavy yeah uh fox gets the first overall choice you know they'll pick notre dame they'll pick michigan ohio state then it starts they then they start doing a draft after that uh and so there's also peacock involved uh yep. for eight games a year now you would think to get the peacock numbers up at some point, for the quote good of the cause, some of the bigger names in the conference may have to have a game on there. Right. You know, it's not going to be a marquee game. But what do you think about the streaming element of it with eight games a year? Yeah. So as so, I'm a Premier League soccer fan. I wake up on Saturdays and watch soccer on Peacock. Um, and, and I get people's frustrations with it, right? Like, it's just kind of complicating it a little bit more than maybe necessary. But I'll be curious to see what games go on Peacock. Like you said, you would think you would want some of the bigger-name programs on there, but you're probably not going to put marquee games on there. So I'll be interested to see what balance they try to strike there. Um, I think a lot of things are heading towards streaming anyways, and we've seen more and more sports go to, like, stream only for games. We see baseball games on Friday nights on Apple TV, uh, baseball games on Sunday mornings on on, uh, on Peacock, you know, and it's it's becoming more and more prevalent. So I, I kind of think it was inevitable that it would happen this way, and, you know, Peacock's at least a little more accessible because you get a subscription with it. If you have, uh, if you have, I think, Comcast, you get a Peacock for free with it, and there are other things like that. Yeah. Um, subscription services but so it might be a little more accessible from that standpoint not having to add on you know another bill to the streaming services or the the cable bill uh, which is i'm sure for everyone always expanding as things come out uh but yeah i I think it'll be uh it'll be really interesting to see that the sort of transition that that fans have to make to you know maybe finding a game at at noon on saturday on peacock rather than just kind of having it there ready in your your tv guide or what have you but in reality that's not this contract this is over-the-air right. Fox. It's over-the-air CBS. It's over-the-air yep. NBC with a little, you know, like, you know, for example, CBS will simulcast on Paramount+. Plus. Yep. Any game NBC does will simulcast on Peacock. That's what interests me. This is the, an old-fashioned, for the most part, over-the-air network TV deal. Yeah, and, and I think I think that was probably... Uh, I don't know this to, to you know to be clear, but I think that was probably a goal here, right? To make sure it was as accessible as possible, and to limit some of that that uh, peacock only stuff, that the streaming only stuff, because they they want to make it as accessible as possible. And I know there are still plenty of people that don't have streaming services and don't want to make that switch uh, and do those things. So yeah, I, I think it. I think you're right. I think having it sort of the simulcast, like you mentioned with CBS and Paramount Plus, might be the way that we see. Uh, these these streaming services go right because if you can tag along with a network, and obviously CBS, Paramount Plus, plus I believe both owned by CBS Interactive. Like I, I think it is the the right way to go to make sure you're hitting all key points of the audience. Right, everyone who switched to a streaming service has access. 
and doesn't have cable. Everyone who just has cable has access, and you're kind of maximizing the eyeballs you get at that point. All right, so, uh, you know, based on uh, what you've been able to do when you talk to people and so forth, how have you, uh, what kind of read do you have on, on Penn State in the preseason? I, I think this defense is going to be really good. Uh, I, I mean, I have a lot of faith and confidence in Manny Diaz as a defensive coordinator. Right, I, I thought he was awesome at Miami. I think he's a, a great defensive coordinator, and you hear constantly about the turnovers being created. Uh, I know some will push back and say that that's going to be at the expense of big plays. Um, I don't know that that has to be the case. It would definitely be the case at, at some point because it's inevitable, but I don't know that that has to be a case. And uh, I, I think you know this defense is going to be sort of what dictates how good the team is. Um, it's going to create a baseline for sure. Uh, we we haven't done our predictions yet at the CDT, but uh, I think I'm, I'm leaning somewhere in the, the nine win range. Uh, and and frankly, with how the offense performed last year, that's that's a step forward. And I think a lot of that is the defense and how good I expect it to be. And and by the way, the upside with this team is in, inherently uh, going to be with the offensive line. I think I think everyone knows that and how good it can be. Sure. But, the defense is going to be what creates that baseline of okay they're going to have they're going to be in almost every game right like even if even if the team finishes seven and five or six and six which i don't think will happen i would be i think you'd be hard pressed to find any game you didn't feel like they didn't have a chance of winning because the defense is so good and they're going to keep them in it the secondary and the pass rush especially right as the game moves more and more towards being pass heavy uh, having good corners having good safety play having good pass uh, having a good pass rush is always going to keep you around and I think they're going to have that Manny Diaz's aggressiveness is going to help that in a big way uh, and, and offensively like I said it's the offensive line right if, if it's good and, and James Franklin has kind of uh, made a point not to, to sort of hype the offensive line up and he said that's not that's neither here nor there right it's not because he doesn't think it will be good uh, or anything like that it's just because he wants the offensive line to prove it uh, and, and if they do prove it, then the upside increases, right? Then nine becomes 10 or 11, I think, uh, for this team. And, you know, there's reason for optimism along the offensive line, but I think anyone who has sort of covered the team or followed the team in, in recent years, like, I, I think it's fair to be skeptic, skeptical of that offensive line uh, and, and sort of let them prove it. And if they prove it, the upside increases. And if they don't, I, like I said, I think that defense is going to be so good that they're going to have a baseline no matter what. All right, so uh, one of the main factors among those who are near the top in college football every year is they have depth. They are able to survive an injury here, somebody getting nicked up there that misses either extended games or a couple of games. Are you sensing from talking to the players, John, that this recruiting class they brought in has made a change in the depth of Penn State football? I think so. I, I think it, it is, you know, it's rare that you get a, you know, not necessarily rare at the, the biggest programs in the country, the Ohio State, the Alabamas and whatnot, but I think it, it had been rare in sort of that next year program to get a class that can make that kind of impact that early. And I think Penn State has that and sort of the gaps that you would have expected to see uh, on the team are being filled by guys that are young, guys that are going to be at Penn State for at least another two seasons after this one, potentially, you know, four seasons after this one if they redshirt, right? Like these these guys are uh, ready to play. I mean, I heard Jair Brown say it time and time again at media days and, and post-practice availabilities that he's just wildly impressed with how physically imposing and strong and physically ready the freshman class is. 
and I think that's pretty much the case across the board, right? I think a, a lot of these guys are coming into spots where they're expecting to compete right away. They're not expecting to redshirt. Most of them will redshirt, and that's just toward, sort of how it goes in college football. Uh, but I, I think a lot of them are coming in ready to compete and ready to push the guys ahead of them. And, you know, people will, will say that this is sort of like uh, uh, this is said all the time, but it is, it's still true that the competition is only going to make the guys at the top better. And if mm-hmm. they get beat out, they're getting beat out by someone better, right, and someone younger. And so I think that's only going to improve Penn State's roster, only going to improve uh, the top. And maybe maybe the, the, the fruits of this recruiting class aren't seen immediately, and you'll see some of it. I think Nick Singleton's probably going to have a pretty massive impact this year. Um, but I think, you know, next year in 2024, too, like, you're going to see the, the fruits of this class like, oh, wow, suddenly a bunch of guys are starting and contributing at a high level that are only sophomores, that are redshirt freshmen, that are redshirt sophomores. And you have a core of a team that can take that next step moving forward. And this is kind of their first year to show that they're, they're ready to do it now, even if it's not ready to do it full time right now. Yeah, they don't have to do it 60 or 70 plays, but if you can mix guys in 10 to 25 plays during the course of the game, John, what does that do in the fourth quarter for the guys that you feel are your finishers? Oh, exactly. It, it's enormous, right? It, 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 those guys are, are ready to go. Um, they are, you know, it's, it's easier to, to not be uh, just exhausted, right? Because guys, especially when you play aggressively uh, and when you play at, a, play at a high pace like the offense will and aggressively like the defense will, it can get a little tiring, right? You can, especially along the, the lines, it can, it can get a little uh, exhausting. And you get to the fourth quarter and suddenly you're, you're trying to catch your breath and trying to, you know, be at your best when, when maybe your best kind of isn't available because of that exhaustion. Well, now when you, you don't have to play as many snaps in the second and third quarter in the first quarter, suddenly you're playing like your third quarter self in the fourth quarter. And that is only going to help the veterans. It's only going to help the young guys uh, improve. And, and like I said, maybe – Maybe those guys that are originally playing those 15 to 20 snaps mm-hmm. end up playing 50 to 60, and by the fourth quarter, they're the ones on the field because they've played so well you know, in the first couple of quarters. Uh, obviously, one of the keys to all this, you've mentioned the offensive line and the guy they're protecting, and that is Sean right. Clifford. You know, we all know what year it is and so forth, and that, you know, the running joke Sean and I have is who's been here longer, him or me. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but, uh, you know, what do you think about what he can accomplish if he gets that extra second? So I, I think we could see the Sean Clifford, that, and I know I, a lot of people will point to the Villanova game as his game, best game last year. I actually thought Auburn was, was a better game. He had one throw I know that was a little off that, that was almost intercepted, but Jahan Dawson did what he does and, and sort of snagged it out of, out of thin air seemingly. But uh, that Auburn game to me was his most impressive performance of the last couple of years, and I think if Penn State can get that consistently, right, where he's getting the ball to his playmakers, he's making quick decisions, but not rush decisions, which I think last year at times, they, especially in the second half of the season, they went from quick decisions and working through your progressions to rush decisions, whether it's to leave the pocket or to, mm-hmm. you know, to try and have to make something happen that maybe isn't there. I think that's the quarterback that Penn State needs where, they're, where he's reliable, he can get the ball to his playmakers, and he can orchestrate the offense. He doesn't have to be a playmaking quarterback. He's going to make some plays with his legs, because he's a really good athlete and really good running the ball. 
and, and I think that will benefit this offense greatly. But I think at the end of the day, he just has to get the ball to the guys that need it and that can really make those plays in space, the Parker Washingtons, the Mitch Tinsleys, even you know Nick Singleton, Keevon Lee, Theon, Theo Johnson, Brent Strange, the list goes on and on. Get the ball to those guys, put them in a position to succeed, in a position where they can catch and run and not just catch and you know, go down. And suddenly this offense takes the next step forward. And he doesn't have to be, you know, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Obviously it would help Penn State greatly if he was, but he doesn't have to be that offense to be really good. And I uh, I think getting back to where he was in that Auburn game would be would be really important for Penn State and, and taking it to the next level. John, there's nothing anybody can do about it. You open up with Purdue. It's on the road, and it's a conference game to open the season. What is your thought on anybody opening with a conference game to start the season? Uh, I like it because it means I get to watch a really fun game to start the year. Yeah, uh, but I, I I would completely understand why a program would would sort of uh, not want that, right? And uh, Sean Clifford was asked about like the preseason yesterday, and like would he like to see a preseason model? And he you know basically said there are benefits of having it and not having it. Uh, I would be interested in seeing. I think to, for a team, if I were running a program, I would definitely not want a conference game early. I get wanting the test, wanting to know where you're at, and it is easier to recover from an early loss than a late loss. We've seen that before with college football playoff rankings and sort of the, the recency bias that kind of gets baked into that, uh, into those rankings. Uh, but I, I think you still would rather sort of get your feet underneath you, find where your team is at, and then have that challenge. Like that Auburn game, week three, I think that would be the ideal first big game, right? Getting the first two games under your belt and then going full steam ahead from there. Two maybe easier games to start the year non-conference, one better game non-conference, and then go into the conference schedule. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, from I think, you know, fans probably enjoy it more. I, you know, as a, as a reporter enjoy it more because you get the sort of jump right into it and they're immediate ramifications right away but i think if i were running the program i would i would totally understand someone saying like hey can we can we bump the brakes on doing this every year because now it's back back years for penn state on the road in the conference in you know a really tough environment at camp randall last year and now a blackout at purdue this year it's it's i mean i'm sure it's not easy to prepare for that right off the jump especially with a very young team yeah I mean, we'll see. I mean, look, college football is just so different than anything else. Even in college basketball, you have a couple of scrimmages, you know. Yep. You know, Penn State will have two scrimmages this year before they even play a regular season game. College football yep. doesn't have that. You just start. That's why people try to ease their way in. That way you have something under your belt. Yep. And, I, you know, I love secret scrimmage season. And college basketball is one of my favorite times of the year. It's like yeah. the sign that they're coming. Uh, it's and we see it in the NFL with teams have like joint practices now rather than you know right. maybe the the, the first string guys don't play in in preseason yep. games as much. The Eagles do this a bunch now under Nick Sirianni. I'd be curious to see if that ever makes its way to college football. I don't know about the logistics of it or even the rules of it, but I'd be curious to see if maybe programs try to go that route, especially if they have a difficult program that they're facing in like week one. John, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Uh, Glad to come back on and, and looking forward to coming on again in the future.